for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I'd like to welcome you guys again. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. I want to share with you this morning one of the, it has to be one of the top five things in my life, one of the top five experiences that I've had, of course, behind, significantly behind being able to see my, my children born, which is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. But one of the coolest things that I was, was ever uh, to see, uh, was able to see, and this is on the uh, bucket list for a lot of people, things that they want to be able to experience in their lives. In 2017, I had the opportunity to go on a safari in Africa, and I was able to spend several days out in the, in the brush. And we were basically driven around in jeeps, there were there was about fifteen of us. So there were two different jeeps. We were driven around and shown wildlife in their natural habitat, and we saw everything that you can possibly imagine to see that that lives in the savanna in the savanna grasslands: jackals, leopards, hippos, rhinos, giraffes, monkeys, zebras, lions, and, and a lot more. A lot of things to this day I can't even tell you what it was you know, that we saw. But we had a really hard time locating the elephants. And how do you have a hard time locating an elephant? You know, but there's like um, hundreds of miles, you know, on this reservation that we're driving through. And we're driving through one day, and I felt so proud of myself because I was actually the first one to see them. You know, and I'm kind of in the middle of this Jeep. There's about, there's about 10 of us on there. And I look out and I'm like, there they are. And at the time, it looks like it's probably about 10 to 20 miles away. It's way in the distance. And all of a sudden, as we start driving closer, they start running like crazy. And it just, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen because it was like the entire earth was pounding. All right, whenever you think about an elephant that you see at the zoo or at the circus, it's standing there looking miserable. All right, but this is a, a parade of elephants, as they're called, running at top speed. And the whole time that I was out there, like I said, we had the opportunity to go out over the course of several days. Never one time did I ever see an elephant alone. Now, you go to the zoo or you go to the circus, a lot of times you will see a single elephant. But in their natural habitat, you rarely ever see an elephant alone. I'll return to that. We're in the third part of a vision series that we're calling Movement. We've identified the last few weeks our mission statement, which is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. This is our why. This is what we are about. Everything that we do from the perspective of ministries, from the perspective of outreach, from the perspective of, as much as I hate this word, programming, everything that we do in the future will be directed 
toward helping broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. We also identified that broken means a lot of things. Broken means poor. Broken means recently divorced. Broken means going through a serious sin struggle in a person's life. Broken means I just lost my job. Broken means I've started to struggle with anxiety and depression and a lot of the things that afflict people, especially people that are in this country. So how? How is it that we help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus? We then mentioned our mission or our future focus. And this is that we want to create environments, plural environments, where the kingdom of God is both visible and contagious. So we seek to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. But as we look at a future focus and what we want people to see in this room, as well as the work that we do outside of the church from a missional perspective, as well as within our community groups and all the other activities that we have, to show this atmosphere that is both visible, okay, there's something different about that, but also contagious. I recognize that I am broken. I recognize that I am hurting. I recognize that things are not complete in my life. I want some of what they have. Now, rarely today do people in culture look at people in church and say, I want something that they have. Generally, what they say is, I'm running 100 miles in the opposite direction. So we identify our problem and then where we want to go. So by accomplishing this, how do we, we create these environments? We've identified four core values. Those values are formation, which we talked about last week, which was to become students of Jesus. Community, which is what we'll talk about today. Servanthood and multiplication. All right, so servanthood next week, multiplication two weeks from now. Today we're going to talk about and highlight this second core value, which is community. And community means for us to follow Jesus together. To follow Jesus together. And this is something that I already feel like this church is pretty good at. I know we have, we have several folks that are not with us right now because it's, it's their preference for safety and things like that to, to watch from home online. But I, I did recognize eight months ago whenever I came here that of our core values, that community, because a lot of you have been together for so long as a church, is something that is fostered and something that is very important within this church. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 if you want to turn there today. Otherwise, you can look up on the screen, Romans chapter 12. You can use your phone. We're going to be in the New Revised Standard Version, Romans chapter 12. And I want to look at three short and three very important verses that are going to, to show us a lot more of what community actually means. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 says this, and this is Paul, for by grace given to me, the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
And this is the key verse right here. This is at least very important. For as in one body we have many members, and not all of the members have the same function. This is the critical verse. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. So what Paul is doing in Romans 12 is he is highlighting the social and also the communal aspects of salvation. This is very difficult for us. And the reason that this is very difficult for us is because we live in a very, in fact, the most individualistic society that has ever existed in history. So even when we narrow down what a relationship with God and time with God is supposed to look like, it's often focused on what we call a personal relationship with Jesus or our walk with Jesus. And when we think as Americans about the way that we are supposed to live our lives, often we think about ourselves first. My family, okay, my retirement, my future, all right, this is the way that we were taught. And, and there's even a, a wonderful book. It just came out. I've been reading it. Um, it's called, uh, it, no, the other one's called Seeing Scripture Through Western Eyes. This is seeing, I think it's called Seeing Scripture Through Individualist Eyes, all right, because much of what and how we read Scripture is the basis of how we understand and have constructed our faith as Americans. Now, there is there are beautiful components of this, and there are really, really important parts of this. But what we miss is the collective nature, the community aspect, what John Wesley called social holiness. We miss these components of what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus. So Paul is not writing to an individual but to the community of Christians in Rome and his constant concern in this important theological book is their life together, all right? Not their lives separately, not their lives whenever they leave a Sunday morning worship service, if they had something like that, but who they are community, com, from a community perspective because he understands that this is when they are at their best. And this is when they are the strongest. And this constant concern for life together, there's a special emphasis on the work that they are doing. So I do want to place a special emphasis on verse 5. This is what it says to go back to verse 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Even the, the, the individual effervescence of our lives is still connected to other people that are in the body. Check out this verse in the message, Eugene Peterson's translation. I love this. Each of us finds our meaning, our meaning. Why are you here? Why do you exist? What is the purpose of your life? You say, well, I'm a mother. And that's great. Or I am a school teacher. I am an account accountant. I take part in these kinds of activities in my life. This is much deeper 
Where Paul is going here is much, much deeper. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of this body, not separately, not as important as it is in your individual quiet time. Whenever you open up the Bible, maybe on it, maybe every morning or afternoon or evening, whenever it is that you may read. Not as someone that is riding down the road singing worship songs to the top of your lungs, but your meaning and your identity and who you are is actually discovered as a basis of your relationship with the people that are in this room right now. And you see, we don't tend to look at it that way. Our society looks at things very, very differently today. I often hear people tell me this, and, and, and you, you, you've probably heard this, you've definitely heard this before, and some of you have used it, okay? So watch out, all right? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I just don't like organized religion. You ever use that? You ever heard other people say it? This is what they're saying whenever they say that. I don't like church people. Let's translate that, okay? Can we be, can we be real? All right. I don't like organized religion. I don't like the people involved. Or I don't like the rules. That's another really big part of it, okay? I don't like the rules. So let me, let me just be very clear. If you are a person, as, as many of the uh, Gen Z and millennials, this is very, very common language. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I think we're supposed to love everybody, but I just don't like organized religion. If you claim to follow Christ alone, you are actually emphasizing disorganized religion. And I can't do that. And I can't do that because it's not the way that it's supposed to be done. People say they don't like organized religion because they don't like the hypocrisy. Some people don't like organized religion or they don't go to church and they want to do it by themselves. Let's just be real. And this may be some of you at some point in your life because they've been really damaged or wounded or hurt by someone in the church. How many people do you know that don't go to church or say that they will never go back to church because of so-and-so? because of an individual that hurt them, because they still have these wounds from a religious experience growing up. This is like a really, really, really common thing. So we have to be very careful whenever we say, well, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian, but I don't do organized religion. I mean this, and I'm very, very serious about this. Never trust a person's spiritual walk that is choosing to follow Jesus alone. Never trust a person's spiritual walk that believes they can do this outside of community, that believes they can do this outside of the body. Why? Because it was never, ever in any biblical circumstance expected to do it that way. It just does not Exist. I will echo Paul again. Each of us finds our meaning, not a good potluck, not a little bit of fellowship, not some simple friendships. 
Not a little bit of friction, but okay, I'll get over it. We find our meaning and we find our function by ourselves with an app, by ourselves having all these issues with the church. No. As part of the body, as part of community, the collective effervescence that we need, the others that we need, iron sharpens iron. We need one another through every single moment. Here's another one that people will say, and this is really, really millennial and Gen Z language. This is the other one. I am spiritual but not religious. All right, these are the really deep people. Okay, and, and this is some of you, you, some of you, even though you go to church on a regular basis, you've said this, like, like, like theology will come up or a religious conversation in some way will come up and someone will say, well, I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. Right? I believe in a higher power. I believe in some force of energy. I believe in connecting to something and some people will even identify this thing as God. And some will go more specific, and they will even say, Jesus. But they find themselves, they believe, on this higher plane of existence in which they're super spiritual people, but they're not religious. Some of you may say this. You you may say this now, like in your life, because you think it makes you a more authentic follower of Jesus. Author and professor Lynn Sweet summed it up this way, this position nicely. I love this, and I love Leonard Sweet, but you have to hear this, okay? I used to hear, I'm spiritual, just not religious, as the positive yearnings of people looking for deeper experiences of faith that they may not be finding in specific religious traditions. I have reluctantly come to the conclusion that I'm spiritual, just not religious, can be one of the most condescending and colonialist, not to mention godless statements, anyone can utter. What the phrase has come to mean is that you arrogate to your individual advantage those juicy portions of religious traditions that you find appetizing and brush aside the remainder as unprofitable and unworthy of your palate. Spiritual but not religious is an act of godifying self at worst and consumerist tourism at best. As one wanders the aisles of the supermarket of religions and picks out this and that as mementos of one's visits and stray morsels one may want to consume for oneself without respect for their origin or commitment to their context. Spiritual, but not religious, treats religions as brands to be consumed, not belief systems to be understood, or faith traditions to be honored. You okay with that one? Basically what that's saying, spiritual, but not religious, it's about me. I get to make the rules. I don't want to be around those hypocritical people. I am going to make the rules for myself. People avoid community. And let's just be honest because I I think there's good reasons 
for some of this. Some not so good reasons, but some reasons that are pretty good. But people avoid community for a few reasons. One is this. It doesn't fit their agenda. All right? Politically, it doesn't fit their agenda. I can't be around a bunch of conservatives. I can't be around a bunch of those liberals. I can't be around people that voted for him. I can't be around a person that would support her. It disrupts their comfort level. There is a level of comfort that you can experience when you're following Jesus from the outside. When you're not engaged in community, when you don't have a strong level of accountability within your life, there is so much more that is comfortable because you get to make the rules and you get to do things the way that you want to do them. But also people reject community because it requires a deeper level of commitment that they're just not willing to give. You know what most people want to give you in a church setting? Sunday morning. And now average attendance is looked at, looked at as like once or twice a month. All right? You don't get any community in that. You get some hellos. You may get some, did you see the game Friday night? You may get some, how have the kids been doing? But as far as authentic Christian community, you don't get that. I want you to understand this about your walk of faith, and this is so important. Sunday mornings will never be enough. It will never be enough, and it's never been enough. Why else do people avoid community? Because it requires them to be around people that are difficult. And man, I'm going to tell you, I don't know some of you well enough, but, but probably if I were to ask your spouse, some of you are probably pretty difficult. I am very, very difficult. You know what my wife says about me all the time? She'll say, they just don't know you like I do. That's what she says. And, and, and I'll, I'll get on Callie about something and she'll say, I wish the church would see the real you. And there's a lot of truth to that. Oh, you'll laugh at that, but not the other stuff that's hard. I see how you are. But this is very, very true. And I want us to go back to something that we said earlier. Each of us finds our meaning and function in life as part of the body, as members of a community. Another honest moment, okay? I've been in church with people, not this church, yet. I have been in church with people that for me were very, very difficult to get along with. And when I say difficult, and Beth could vouch for this, when I say difficult to get along with, I'm not talking about leaving church. Can you believe she said this? Can you believe he did that? I'm talking losing sleep for days at a time. Difficult to get along with. I have been in church with people whose politics and some of their doctrinal beliefs have been different than mine. 
And just to be real honest, I've been in church and churches where I felt like people didn't like me very much. And I'm going to tell you something, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Through the difficulty, through the frustration, through the conflict, and through the confrontation, through the hypocrisy that I saw, and they saw in me, I needed every single one of those people. And you do too. The body is messy. The body can be argumentative, hypocritical, and seek self-glorification. Members of the body can be dramatic, surely not, and cause damage. And some of you know this. But learning to reconcile within the body, bringing correction to the body, And going forward unified as the body is the most beautiful expression of God this world will ever see. Ever. Look at at Twitter. Look at all the drama. Look at all the gossip. We, We hate one another. We hate one another. And people look back as they see this and they think, this is why... I am spiritual, but not religious. This is why I have a problem with organized religion. So going back to our vision statement that is so important, what have we said it is? We want to create environments where the kingdom of God is both visible and contagious. This will never happen in isolation. And it will never happen when the body is not unified together. So what is it that makes this walk visible? What is it that makes this movement contagious? It's people who follow Jesus, who have very obvious differences, come from different backgrounds, come from different families, come from different uh, political ideologies that are able to say all of that stuff is pushed to the side for the cross of Christ. But did you see what she was wearing? Did you hear what he... Did you see... No, let me go back. I took a screenshot. Let me show you what he tweeted. Let me show you what she posted. I I just can't be friends with her. I just can't get along with that person. This kind of unity, this kind of community will never happen. Until barriers are broken within us. Something that I want to bring your attention to. And want to encourage you guys to do as I mentioned whenever we were talking about announcements. Is our community groups orientation. Alright. If you have a connect card. If you didn't grab one whenever. If, if you didn't get one handed to whenever you came in. You grab one. Before you leave. Because if you said Matt I'm all about the mission. I'm all about the vision of this church. I'm all about the direction. I want to go forward. Listen, I'm serious. And I don't know how many people would say this, and I know that this may not be conventional, but Sunday morning, starting in February, is no longer the main event. Sunday evenings, our community groups, where discipleship actually happens. Discipleship doesn't come from a stage. Teaching comes from a stage. Training comes from community. 
So if you're serious about the vision, if you're serious about the work of God going through, if you're talk, if serious about creating this, these environments that we are talking about, make sure that you let us know that you are going to be here on February the 21st simply so we can introduce you to these groups and the kind of work that is going to go forward. Also, as far as our vision, and we'll talk about this next week, participate with our venture teams. The work that we are doing outside of the church within the community is a way to build community. Be part of disciple-making multiplication so that we can see the gospel movement increased in our region. None of these happen in isolation. If you choose to simply give donations because you're able to, and you drop something off without helping, you can do that in isolation, but you're never building community. Whenever you make the decision, I'm just going to attend on Sunday mornings when I can, when it doesn't, there's no conflict with other things that are going on, that's not creating community. You're not building relationships with a mask on in a dark room, not really able to talk to anybody. We need to understand the deepest possible level of community that we can. So just a little bit of application this morning about the direction that we need to go together. For those of you that reject the body, or for those of you that have an issue with organized religion or the idea of church as community, get over yourself. Get over yourself. You have not arrived. And if your issue is that you need healing, if your issue is that you are not part of a group, not part of a body, because you've been hurt, seek to begin that healing process today. As difficult as it may be, as troubling as the circumstances have been that you've been through, because some people have really been hurt at the hands of church people. Did you know that as you suffer and as you go through the difficulty that happened to you 12 years ago, that that person or that group that inflicted this pain is not thinking about you? The suffering, the pain, what you're holding on to is on your end. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of the body, not separately. Individualized spirituality in the way of Jesus was never the way that it was intended to be. Read the book of Acts. Look at the Gospels and the relationship that Jesus had with the disciples. Are there moments for solitude? Are there moments for being alone? Is a quiet time that you have, is time alone with Jesus? It's, it's absolutely critical. But you can't do without the others. For those of you who have a bad relationship, because I know that I'm speaking to some people in this room, and some people that are listening online. For those of you who have a bad relationship with someone among the body, the community of saints, make it right today. 
If you're in this room right now with someone else that is in this room that you cannot stand, make it right today. If this is someone from a former church, if this is someone that has damaged your ego or hurt you in some way, make it right today. Have that conversation. Send that text. Send that message. Send that email. Whatever it needs to look like. Leave church today. I pray the spirit of conviction upon your heart. If you are part of conflict within the body, you cannot be right with Jesus and wrong with people. It is impossible. Back to elephants. The African elephant population has decreased 90% in the last 60 years. 90%. Does that sound familiar? You know anything about the decline in the church? You know anything about church numbers, especially during COVID? And what people are predicting that the world will look like after COVID, that a lot of these people that are with us, a lot of people that came to church are, no, are not going to come back to in-person services. Now, do you want to know the best chance for the African elephant's survival? It's also the best chance for the church's survival. Staying together. Staying together. When elephants are in trouble or a female is giving birth, you know what elephants do? They form this defensive circle around the elephant that's hurt, the vulnerable, or around this, this, this mother that is giving birth. And they create this defense. Are you getting through a pack of elephants? No. They create this circle around this vulnerable elephant and they protect. See, this is part of what our community groups are going to be. We lift one another up. We take care of people that are hurting. But do you want to know what we do instead of creating this protection, instead of creating this circle? We gossip. We kick people when we're down, when they're down. We go to social media. We are absolutely destructive and culture sees it. They see it. We should be like a parade of elephants storming through this world. Instead... We're like a swarm of gnats. Like getting on everybody's nerves. Like people are doing this if Christians come around. It's the truth. Nobody sees anything good. You want to create environments that are, that are contagious, the kingdom of God? They don't want anything to do with that. So what am I commanding you to do today? Drop the stones. 
you were never intended to carry. You know, you know that person that you're gossiping about, that person that you can't stand, as hypocritical as they may be, that's your brother. That's your sister that you should be lifting up. Do we need formation? Yeah, we need to become devoted students of Jesus. The community comes with us in which we are following Jesus together and not in isolation. I'm going to say this one more time. Each of us, every single person that is in the family of God finds our meaning and function as part of his body. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to ask you today, as we have this time of, of meditation, as we have this time in which our focus is on the condition of our hearts, if you have a problem with someone else that's within the body, and it may be a person that is in this room right now. No one is looking around. But there is conflict within your soul from the past. You've been hurt. You're still carrying some of that hurt. i just like to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Thank you. No one is, no one is looking around. A few hands went up fast. Be honest. Is there conflict within the body? Someone within this church or another church that you know must be reconciled. Thank you for, for, for being honest. Anyone else? Thank you in the back. Thank you, sir, in the front. What I want to challenge you to do, and I'm not necessarily saying do this right away, but go before God in a posture of surrender and make it right. Whatever you have to do on your part, whatever it is that you need to say, make it right. There are others of you that because of, because of bad priorities, because you're swarming in our culture of busyness, because you don't want a higher level of accountability, every single person that is part of this body here should be here on February the 21st if, if you're able. Every single person that is here that has talked about wanting to push forward, wanting to build deeper relationships, wanting to understand their purpose and why they're here. Those of you that want to know and understand that enthusiasm and following Jesus goes much, much further than a message on Sunday mornings and some worship songs that we sing. The nitty-gritty difficulty of what it means to follow, be a follower of Jesus is going to show itself in several forms as we grow together, but specifically as part of a community group. So again, fill out that Connect card. Make sure that you grab something. Make sure that you let me know this week that you're going to be here. 
Father, we come to you today understanding, Father, internalizing the reality that we cannot do it on our own. And Father, obviously we can't do it on our own without you, but we're also talking about the need for the communal component of our faith. For brothers and sisters that have strengths that we do not possess, older couples that are able to speak into the lives of younger couples, people that have struggled in darkness with mental illness that can help someone that is, that, that is just experiencing some, experiencing some issues for the first time, people that are grieving over the death of a, of a loved one that needs the hug and the support of the body, people who are, who are moving to a new home that need some people that are going to be dependable to help them carry boxes. Uh, people that don't understand something in Scripture that need to grab a hold of an older brother or sister or someone more seasoned in the faith. Father, these, these relationships, the vulnerability, the honesty, Father, uh, make us a people that surround those who are hurting, that surround those who are struggling, that surround those who have made really, really serious mistakes. And Father, we don't kick them down further, but we protect them from what's on the outside. We lift you up. We praise you. We need you with every breath. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.